episode 96 of the Elite Road Warrior Podcast. Welcome to the Elite Road Warrior Podcast, where we believe you can leverage the road to transform your work, health, and home life while on business travel to ultimately master the business travel life. If you're a road warrior and a great chance you're on the road right now, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Elite Road Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Paul Buckley, fellow road warrior, husband of one, father of five, and on a mission to help business travelers eliminate burnout and exceed results. I'm also committed each and every business trip to becoming and remaining an elite road warrior, and I'd love nothing more than for you to join my Master Evil plan in this worthwhile road trip. Back in episode 85, we discussed an unusually dark topic, Five Downward Spiral Choices into the Dark Side of Business Travel. Due to the heaviness of this topic, I brought in a specialist to be able to kind of unpack, man, that was a heavy, heavy issues that we were discussing there. So if you've not listened to episode 85, I encourage you to go back to it. But this episode here is going to reference that. So let's meet our subject matter expert. Dr. Nick Howard is a seasoned psychologist and leadership coach. For over 15 years, Nick has helped leaders perform at higher levels while intentionally treasuring their most important relationship. Dr. Howard has traveled nationally and internationally providing trainings to help strengthen leaders. He knows personally and professionally the joys and challenges of business travel as he flies regularly. Today, Dr. Howard will help us understand and unpack the following questions. What does freedom and isolation create in a road warrior? What is the double-edged sword of experimenting on the road? What are the long-term consequences of bad road habits? How do you know when you've crossed the line between a habit and an addiction? What do you do when you feel guilt, shame, and hopelessness? And as always, even with a very difficult conversation here, with so much encouragement, so much more. It's go time. Well, I am live right now with the Dr. Nick Howard. How are you and where are you, my friend? Brian Buckley, the man, the myth, the legend. I'm doing well, thanks. I am... At home, looking out my office window, it's a beautiful fall day, and uh, unfortunately, the Gophers lost last night in, in overtime by a point to Maryland, so I'm grieving that loss, but I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Well, and hopefully, you got a fast track with that with being a, a psychologist, but I digress, and uh, we'll unpack that and a whole bunch of things there, but being a former or fellow Big Tenner, uh, I'm with you on there. I wanted to see everybody win in the Big Ten, but uh, well... Ironically, with this, this interview, you know, we have a lot of history together. For those that don't know, um, you have been one of my counselors for, a, for a, an extended period of time, along with a dear close friend, and we've been able to walk that very unique line, and you've been an unbelievable blessing in my life through, and again, between us girls and all those listening at home or even on the road, through a lot of these topics that we are unpacking here today. So 
Um, if there's anybody that's an authority on this, um, it is you, my friend. And I'm looking at sharing the love because this is coming from a previous episode of the dark side of business travel and the downward spirals of the, the dark side of business travel. So I want to make sure from that episode, we are talking through what do we do with those from a psychological point of view. I also want to say one more thing. You're a business traveler as well when you're speaking and doing trainings all over the world, but you're also still human, male, and even as an incredibly trained psychologist. So I just want to say that up front for context for those who are listening, that you speak from experience professionally, but also personally. Amen. Yep. I am human too. There's no denying that. That is for sure. That's for sure. So let's um let's dive right in, Nick. I mean, there's a lot to go through here. So let's kind of start from the freedom and isolation side of the coin. We get on the road, man, we got a lot of freedom, a lot of time that's there. So what does maybe this freedom and isolation create in a road warrior? Yeah, it's a good question. I know uh, having done trainings and traveled for about 14 years before COVID hit, I guess you might say, that um, I know there were times that if I was experiencing tension with my wife or tension with my kids, our work was really stressful, <clears throat> I was really excited about the freedom that I would experience on the road. Like I can stay up as as I want. I don't have to have conversations I don't want to have. I can go out to restaurants, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of temptation though. And I, I would say particularly like I just mentioned when we're leaving home in a negative space, if we just had a fight with our spouse <clears throat> or had a negative encounter with our kids, I would say uh, temptation becomes much more attractive at times like that. So using our freedom poorly is um, much more likely when we're in a negative emotional state because we want to self-soothe or medicate or distract, right? So being really clear about uh, where we're at before we go or as we're going, uh, I think is really important because if you're in a tough place, you want to be that much more mindful about how do I stay connected with friends? How do I be in touch with the people that will help me make good choices. Um, you know, so there's there's excitement about going if you're in a good place because you get to experience, you know, new places, go out to eat, maybe play some golf, go to a baseball park like you often do. And if you're in a great place, then you can enjoy that in a place of uh, security or health. But it's it's especially important when you're leaving in a negative space to really be that much more mindful because to the extent that we're not, we can find ourselves in places that we regret pretty quickly. And that's so true. And it actually leads to kind of these next couple of things, whether we're talking about experimenting or bad habits or addictions. So I'll start with, that, with the experimenting, Nick. What is the double-edged sword of experimenting on the road? I mean, it could be because of that escape or it could be, hey, because of my new business travel and I have all these new find found freedoms. How do we handle those experiments on the road? Yeah. So the cool thing about business travel is often you're meeting new people, so it's it's a chance to start anew and practice being maybe assertive or asking questions or what's my new uh, elevator speech, if you will? How do I introduce myself to people and how do they respond? And so that's the exciting part or playing a new golf course for that matter. I'm seeing a re reoccurring theme here. <laughs> Gotta love golf. So uh, that's the exciting part. The the experimentation piece, though, that's that's dangerous is, you know, when you're traveling um, you're going to be in places where most people don't know you, especially if you slip off or if you're not traveling with other people. So 
you can go places that you wouldn't go otherwise without fear of being caught or seen, what have you. And so um, that's a tricky thing. Plus, if you're meeting up with people at a sales convention or what have you, the, the social pressure to drink or smoke uh, or go, as you mentioned in your, your episode regarding Charles, uh, go to a strip club. It's like, oh, wait, hold on a second. Like this, I didn't know my boss was going to set this up. Like, how do I navigate this? And so. Or clients um, who is just yeah. trying to, that's not, that's within his morals. And all of a sudden he thinks, Hey, I'm, I'm in a training. Look at all the things I'm doing for him. Not considering maybe that's, that's not okay with the other person. Yeah. So it creates tensions around um, how do I, value my clients, but also be loyal to my values. How do I do that? And am I willing to disappoint a client to honor my values and the people that I care about at home? So that's, that's, that's hard. I'm sure. I'm sure. And for those of us who have that paid for, you know, whether it is a lot higher shelf than what we're drinking at home, if you know what I'm saying, or right. it is to the point, well, I'm, you know, I'm with other people. I'm just going to try this. It's okay. Or I have no bank record of this or no, whatever of this, it is easier to that. So that's good counsel, especially depending on the emotional state back to which you'd referenced earlier, you know, being on the road, if I'm in a bad place with this, that I can intensify that or justify those behaviors. So let's kind of lean into bad habits, Nick. When all of a sudden do these turn into habits? And what are our consequences of those? Let's kind of unpack that a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> so so habit by definition means something you're doing over and over. And uh, this is a, sh a shout out to Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, right? So you might recall, he cites Aristotle, we are what we repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence is not an act, but a habit. We are what we repeatedly do. Um, and I, I got I to gotta indulge in Kierkegaard here for a second, <laughs> just because I'm a growing fan of his. But he talks about um, delusions. And so when we're talking about bad habits, it means we're typically falling for a lie of some sort. <clears throat> so if I believe that uh, drinking more is actually going to bring me life. That's actually not true or smoking or looking at porn like that leads into shame and regret and guilt. Right. <clears throat> but, but Kierkegaard in a book called works of love, he talks about how delusions actually have power. And so the more that you engage in the delusion, the more likely we are to uh, rationalize or justify and, and downplay the significance of the behavior. So once we, have established a habit of, you know, when I drink, when I go on the road, I drink more than I do, or I'm finding myself watching porn in the hotel room <clears throat> because it doesn't come up on the bill per se as a, a particular movie, right? So once that's happening like two or three times per se, like that habit has its hooks in you, you might say. And so, um, you know, granted there are good habits, right? So you can be better at exercise on the road than you are at home, right? It's, it's really about what's in your best interest, what honors your highest values, what perhaps honors your faith commitments, and the ones that are the negative ones that lead to destructive outcomes, the sooner that you can admit those, the better, it's because the longer that you go without admitting them, the easier it is to go from porn to a massage <clears throat> to a call girl, right? All of a sudden, it's got more and more power, like the, the delusion as I'll say later, um, has you more than you have it. And so 
it's just really important to try to catch them as soon as you can, because once it starts to become repetitive and you're living sort of two lives, one on the road and one at home that are very different in terms of morals and values, uh, you're, you're in a dangerous space. Okay. So let's drill down. Cause you just said something that's very, very key. Cause I think I'm assuming the average business travel traveler would justify, well, I'm not that way all the time. And there's an argument there because that's the the antithesis of integrity, because now we're two different people, but saying that I'm justifying it going, well, I'm only that way on the road and I've got it under control because it's only on the road. I'm okay at home. And so therefore everything is okay. And you've been quoted as saying that your acting out isn't random. So what do we say to that guy? Could even be me who's justified that, that I'm, you know, it's okay. It's, it's road versus home and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, there's an author that said, um, <clears throat> Jim Lair, I think it was, that said, we, as humans, we have an infinite capacity for self-deception. We have an infinite capacity for self-deception. And so like you're pointing out, um, in terms of integrity, uh, you, you really can't be two people because the ripple effect in your, in your life when you're home will, will be there. And what I mean by that is, I know that when I've made poor choices, and I've not confessed to my beloved, my wife. I know that I'm more superficial. I'm more detached. Uh, I don't engage with the same level of depth or openness, transparency. So uh, acting out on the road, even though it's in a different place, you know, the hard thing is what happens in Vegas does come back. It might not be a venereal disease, but you're a different person because I would say if you've made poor choices, darkness has come in. That would be a word I would use. Or uh, distance, you're more superficial. So you bring that home with you for a while. It has a half-life of some sort, right? So I think it's just so important to to see the idea of, well, that's just on the road. Well, that's that's just a rationalization. That's just you deceiving yourself because it does come with you. And at some level, I think we all know that, you know? And it's a good point. I mean, you referenced Charles, which was the story of the guy that I had met years and years and years ago. It's made a tremendous, just that story, um, although I'm still not in contact with him again, of the distance that he had because of this, quote, second life that he had. And to your point, you notice it by coming home with your wife because there's a short account of that. In his case, that was business as usual, or in this case, business home life as usual. So there was so much years of decay that he really didn't even notice it, you know, a numbness that is there. So there may be those who are listening to this episode, Nick, who are going, well, that's me, which obviously there's a lot of other issues there to unpack. So let's go a little bit further here down, unfortunately, down this, this dark side of business travel, down this downward spiral. Oftentimes, obviously, there's the good habits, hopefully the six energy habits, move, fuel, rest, perform, develop, connect. And there are obviously a ton of other good habits. But then there's obviously bad habits, even some positive things that we can turn into bad and turn and go from that progression into an actual addiction. So how do we know we maybe cross that line between that so-called habit, loose habits, stronger habits, hooks that are in that you're talking about and a full-blown addiction? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Good question. Well, the phrase that comes to mind is uh, something's moved from a bad habit to an addiction when it has you more than you have it. So the behavior becomes more and more compulsive to use the technical term. So it's when you really can't help yourself. And I was really struck as you, I was reading about Charles in that particular episode, you mentioned someone that was, was looking at porn uh, in a check-in line. Is that right? 
That's correct. Yeah, actually, it's the, the airport kind of off to the side. And uh, supposedly nobody's paying attention to all that. I walk behind him and, and uh, anyway. Yeah, so, so uh, I mean, this is not about judgment. This is not about trying to shame anybody because, as they say in the Christian tradition, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Like, there's, <clears throat> I, I've got a lot of regrets. There's lots of stuff I wish I hadn't done. But the point here is, it's like, oh, my gosh, if you find yourself doing that at the airport, like, you are addicted. Like it's clearly in control of you. And so um, the thing that I, I, I think that's important for me to share, having worked with men struggling with addiction to pornography, um, that isn't necessarily as much about travel, but the point I want to make is oftentimes with, with porn addiction, there, there's, there's a way that you're almost intoxicated by it. And so we think about if you're, smoking pot or if you're getting drunk you you're gonna you're gonna have a hangover you're gonna be intoxicated you won't really know what you're doing but i've seen this play out over and over that if if you've got an addiction to porn that might be more intense on the road um you will not realize how hard it is for you to empathize or <clears throat> be sensitive or you won't see the ways you pick fights or are hypercritical and so there's um i think it's important to share to the extent that you know a portion of your audience is a man that we may not realize how much porn affects us and that there can be like this stupor. And I've actually had therapy sessions where it's sort of like if a guy had just binged the last couple of days, it's the, the, the therapy session, while it's helpful in some ways, in many ways, it's a throwaway session because they are so lost in the illusions and darkness that they don't even know what's happening at some level. I know, is that, what's that like to hear? What are your thoughts? Yes, I completely agree. And uh, sadly, I've had many of those conversations with people on the road, um, aka Charles, in this specific case. And it's hard. You know, it's hard to hear because oftentimes, to your point, you're hearing the justifications. You're hearing the number of lies, you know, the infinite deception, if you will. And I get it, man. I've, I've been down the downward spiral. So, you know, I am uh, of whom I am chief. And I do appreciate the comment about level of the cross, you know, for those of us who are persons of faith of that. And that is a question I'd like to unpack here in just a few minutes of what if you are a person who feel like you do have integrity, you do have character and faith. But before we get to that, Nick, let's kind of move from the addictions to the moral behaviors, which I mean, ultimately could be an addiction, if you will. And you reference that, whether it's gone from porn to massages and all that, but the moral behaviors that we can sometimes justify those behaviors what about the ramifications of those decisions and the self-justifications? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, in today's world, most of us know people that have gotten divorced <clears throat> um, and have a strained or estranged relationship with their kids, or certainly uh, in the world of Christian leadership, um, as a pastor acting out on, on travel, that can be devastating to a person's career. Um so the 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 greater the acting out, you know, if it's if it's chronic versus a one-time thing, that that makes a difference. The the hard thing is the more, and I've witnessed this professionally, um, gratefully, not as much personally, but uh, the further we go down that road, like I was referencing Kierkegaard, the more that we deliberately choose at some point, you know. So. Uh, you know, when you talk about a strategy for the road, let's say if you're struggling with pornography, it's like, how do you, uh, what's your, what's your ritual around when you go in the hotel room to make sure that you're least likely to watch something or if it applies to drinking, what have you, the more that you kind of blow past those things and are thinking about 
how do I indulge? Uh, how do I actively make this work? <clears throat> the, the relational ramifications, the vocational ramifications are going to go up commensurately. <clears throat> it's like all of a sudden, uh, like there was, I just saw this, there was a pastor that was on an airplane and he apparently somehow urinated on a passenger. I don't know if you heard about that. It was like, no. what? But so he's arrested at the airport um, for public urination. And he says in the interview, I'm a pastor. This is completely not like me. And chances are, and I think this is maybe something that can be helpful, like in the case, in a case like this, where you found yourself doing something that's completely out of character. Uh, there's a book I was talking to you about earlier. It's uh, called Unwanted by Jay Stringer. And he talks about how when we make really foolish choices, especially bad moral choices, there's usually a conflux of, he, he talks about like two rivers coming together, two large rivers, like, you know, what have you in this, in the States. And one is current stressors. Like if you're under a ton of stress at work, distance with your wife, you know, one of your kids has just acted out. Um, plus if there's unresolved family trauma, if there's things from your own backstory that um, are similar in some ways to what's happening currently, like when those two rivers come together, the, the current is the most intense and it's the hardest to make good choices. And so, you know, to, to, if you are getting close to places like that, or if you're finding yourself being dramatically different than you, you were when you started out as a road warrior, right? It's like, if you, if you, we're clean, you know, you didn't drink or smoke excessively if you didn't look at porn, but now you're like checking all those boxes. It's like, okay, okay, stuff has gone south, is going south, and it probably taps similar things from your backstory. And so the the more that you ignore that, <clears throat> the the greater the fall is going to be. That's the the tragic reality for virtually all of us. And I appreciate you referencing that book and that it's definitely something we'll put in the show notes. And to go back to your story, I think somebody could very easily fixate on, well, that's pastor, wow, and, and faith and ah. But, you know, it could be VP of sales. It could be CEO. It could be insert whatever title that's here. But I think the more important thing is the fact that going, well, but that's not normally like me or unlike me. Well, maybe, maybe that's our title or maybe that's our self-imposed reputation, which obviously has been deconstructed for weeks, months, or years with our behaviors, which obviously those two rivers, to use your analogy, are now in full force and colliding together. But what does someone do who has made these dark side of business travel downward spiral decisions, Nick? And whether they've been feeling that along the way of this guilt or this shame or this maybe even hopelessness, or they're maybe feeling it now, what should they do? When should they seek professional help? How do they handle that when they're feeling these conflicting, but maybe in a good way, convicting emotions? Yeah, great question. Well, I've been a therapist, psychologist, what have you, for 25 years. And, um, and also having you know, been on my own journey towards healing and growth and hopefully you know, getting closer to flourishing, the, the first thing that I would say to people is um, the good news is that you're not alone. You're not alone where you're at. And by that, I mean, there's people that are more than happy to come alongside you, whether they're secular psychologists or psychologists of faith, what have you. Um, there's more and more empathy and sympathy for um, moral struggles than I would say there's ever been. That's part of what's good about where things are in the world uh, as far as um, 
shame and uh, immediate rejection, like the scarlet letter. I don't, I don't know what color that letter would be today. <laughs> it's not, not deep red. Right? Good point. And so there's more openness to people uh, hearing your story, you know, that are trained professionals, I would say than ever. And along that line, as you, let's say, if you decide to interview a couple or two or three therapists, you know, part of what you want to do is start to tell your story, just kind of put a foot in the water and try to get a read or a vibe around how they respond to you. And the best ones, of course, are the ones that aren't judging you, that ask good questions. I think, you know, how you engage with Charles, that's what a good therapist is like. And so um, if you can get yourself in to see a therapist and, you know, one of the good things that's come out of COVID is that telehealth is now an incredible option. And so it's reimbursed at the same level as in-office visits are. You don't have to commute to see your psychologist or therapist and um, it's covered by insurance. And you also, in some ways, it's interesting just to go down that road for a second, having done telehealth for a while, some people are more comfortable sharing with someone in front of a screen than they are actually in person. Interesting. They don't feel as self-conscious. They, they've, they've got their own space that they're in, so they feel more comfortable. But um, the good news, yeah, is that there's lots of competent psychologists, therapists out there that as you share with them what's happening uh, in light of like Jay Stringer's approach, which is consistent with mine, they, they won't look to um, judge or stigmatize or be critical because so, so many of us, when we've made poor choices, in some ways, we are our greatest enemy. We have condemned ourselves. We've turned on ourselves. And we don't think that we should be forgiven, but that's that's obviously not true. Um, people, when we when we soften our hearts, when we're vulnerable, when we express regret and remorse, uh, people are more than happy, most often, to forgive, especially someone that's not in your system. I'm not saying that your wife's going to welcome you with open arms, right? But um, that's a topic for down the road, right? But so to seek help sooner than later, because um, as I mentioned, you know, uh, when we are falling for lies or delusions, in my experience, it's like the grip only gets tighter and our chances of making more foolish decisions only get greater the longer we go without telling our stories. So so do you find, Nick, because of that very reason of maybe the self-shaming, maybe there's the assumption that I'm going to get judged or whatever is why most people do not engage in therapy, avoid therapy, maybe even especially men? Yeah, so uh, you know, it's it's uh, either gender is is difficult for different reasons. But for men, I think especially certainly American men, um, you know, th this whole idea of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, the rugged individualist, um, you don't want to be seen as weak, and you know, men don't cry. Like those are those are stereotypical cultural kind of expectations that make it a lot harder for a guy to come in and say, yeah, I, I have lost control of this. I feel helpless and powerless and I have no clue. And so to adopt that um, posture of humility and vulnerability, it's, it's hard for us. And yet I can say, having spent a lot of time as a client, uh, with, and I, I continue to see my own psychologist probably on a monthly basis to this day, and having, you know, I see roughly 30 people a week. It's like, I, I see the freedom that comes from sharing, from vulnerability, from confession, you might say. But there's also, I mean, I don't want to downplay the importance of good friends, like friends that 
you trust, that, that you respect, <clears throat> they're also an important part and sometimes even a first step around, how do I at least tell somebody? You know, I know when I've been in situations where I've been tempted or I know I'm heading into a hot zone, <laughs> you might say, uh, letting one of my buddies or more than one know like I'm heading into a danger zone, uh, that's been incredibly helpful. You can't just call your psychologist up and say, hey, I'm at the airport and I want to go look at porn or something like that. But you can call a friend that you built a relationship with. And so the, the larger that you can make that circle and if it can include a, a trained professional, I think that's where you're the best off to move towards a life that you really want. And I'm a fan of both of the friend and also the therapy, because obviously they add different levels of, of value, if you will. Um, it's like to your point, it's a good starting point to talk to them or maybe meaning a friend or it's easier access to get a hold of them. But there's also the limitation of the lack of training yep. of where to go on there. So I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, one more question before we get to any closing thoughts you'd like to leave with us and then obviously go to that lightning round, which I'd love to hear your answers on. But let's just talk for a moment for those that are of faith. For those of us who call ourselves Christians, who character and integrity is important, something we've inspired to, maybe even seen something that those who know us still think that is us. But going to the road, we've been dangerous to the hot zone, the danger zone, or we've made errors in the past. What do you say to that individual? Well, um, you know, one of the great things about the Christian faith, which, you know, we share is uh, the great news is that we're we're permanently adopted as as sons and daughters, and um, it says in Ephesians one that we were for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And Romans five and Romans eight talk about <clears throat> we are we are justified, which means we're completely forgiven. And my theological slant is that means for past, present, and future sins. And so. The great news about that is that our, our sins and shortcomings, poor choices, don't ultimately define us. They, they are uh, uh, parasites or viruses to get rid of, but they don't define us, right? And so um, that's the great news. Along with that, you know, as a Christ follower, you know, there's a longing to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord, to be uh, virtuous, to be a godly man or woman, to be a mature disciple. And that's a great aspiration to be affirmed. Um, but also, I think the challenge is then, uh, and I think the, the invitation is, as you build friendships or as you think about your pastor or a small group leader or someone that might be involved in a healing ministry at church, there are people that are a lot easier to access if you're in a community of faith than you would if you aren't a part of a body of faith. And so uh, there's easier access. And then the challenge is, of course, to swallow your pride and be willing to confess and, and be humbled. Um, but Humility leads to freedom. Confession leads to life. And so uh, hopefully we can model that. And, and I, I know in my own personal experience and also professional experience, when someone is a meaningful part of discipling relationships, their growth trajectory, their healing trajectory is at a much higher rate because there's support. <clears throat> there's the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a deeper, healthier community, in my opinion, that leads to greater freedom um, than if you're just slugging it on your own um, without that faith community. Any closing thoughts or encouragements for us, Nick here? Well, 
you know, it's, it's a battle for everybody. There's, there's no one that uh, when they go on the road probably doesn't face some level of temptation. <clears throat> it's just, it's just speaks to the, I would say the darkness in the world and the culture. And uh, you know, Brian, I, I really value your writing and I value what you are inviting people to. And so there's always hope and there's always a new day. And uh, I say, especially as you seek out help, uh, if you seek it, you'll find it. And so I hope that this is uh, ultimately an episode that brings people hope because no matter where you are, you're not alone. And um, some kind of co- recovery is possible. And the more that you actively pursue it, the greater the healing will be. And the more likely you'll, you'll be able to restore those relationships that are the most important to you if you've gotten off track. Love it. Speaking of that, how can people find out more about you? And it may be just, I know you've got some books that are coming out, so whether it's that, whether it's uh, things you've currently written, whether it is, you know, hearing you speak, or maybe even referenced the telehealth side, where mm, there's an yeah. interest that's there, especially for those of us that's on the road, maybe that's an, uh, an important feature, or maybe it takes away, well, I can't be a psychologist because I'm always on the road. Well, and now, now you got a guy. So how can somebody interact with you, Nick? Sure. Well, the easiest way is to my website, which is finish as in finish line, well as in Jacob's Well or, you know, wellofwatergroup.com. Finishwellgroup.com. That's my website. I've got an annual blog that goes out. (laughs) Nice. For those that catch that, it used to be a lot more often than that. And then you decide you want to be an author. So now it's an annual blog. Nice, nicely, (laughs) nicely played there, Dr. My annual, annual blog. And uh, I'm just finishing up a book called... uh, the Power of With, a Jesus-centered guide to changing lives, and it really is about bringing greater intentionality and depth to our discipleship efforts. Um, and I do, yeah, run a therapy and coaching practice. The good news is that with the advent of telehealth uh, and what's changed legislatively and also on the insurance front is that I'm able to uh, see people from 14 different states and build uh, video calls, what have you, you know, through Zoom and things of that nature. I am currently pretty full, but I'm hoping to hire a couple therapists over the next couple months. And so if I'm not available, hopefully I'll have someone to refer to. But um, yeah, that's me. I, I, I really enjoy working with men to help them, as my tagline is, to help them heal, grow, and flourish. And, um, you know, people that are willing to do the the tough work. I mean, therapy, um, as you might recall it's 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 hard it's not fun it's not let's go drink beers right so there's suffering that it asks you to enter into but to me you know in light of scott peck again the road less traveled um i think it's the best road to go down because it leads to the greatest life so those are some thoughts about me and i love that line because it's most of us who who have made some of these bad choices are on a downward spiral. So having a road less traveled that actually leads somewhere besides down and faster would sound appealing, even if it does require that suffering or that honesty in a healthy context with that. So I really do appreciate that, Nick. Let's end on a light note here. So with you being a business traveler, let me go through some quick questions here. This is a road warrior lightning round. Your preferred airlines? Southwest. Window or aisle? Totally an aisle. Why? Uh, freedom, man, if I have to get up and, I mean, I'm 55, so I have to go to the bathroom like every 20 minutes, right? <laughs> nice. We'll, 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 we'll stop at that point there for anybody who's 60 going, so does that mean number 15? 
one thing you always do on a flight besides go to the bathroom, apparently. Well, I, you, it would make sense that I would say bring Diet Coke, right? Because those two are clearly related. <laughs> and I've witnessed that actually on a plane with you. So uh, preferred hotel chain. Marriott, brother, Marriott. Preferred Marriott Hotel. Uh, uh, definitely, um, well, that's a good question. I will, I'm gonna go with the suites. I'm gonna go with the suites. Rental car or ride share? Oh, certainly rental car. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of traditional in that regard. Thanks for sure. Preferred, preferred vendor with rental car? Enterprise. Least favorite airport? Well, I, I've got your national and international, right? So. I spent time in the Philadelphia airport one time, and that was that was brutal. That was brutal hanging out in Philly. And uh, but then also I lived in the, in the UK for a year, and one time I flew back through Charles de Gaulle Airport, and that was a fiasco. It was there's all kinds of different ways to well, I shouldn't say it in a positive way, but the the connection system is pretty lame, and they've not be decorated for about 40 years. So it feels like a time warp, like you're back in the 1970s. So And you got a lot of time there because your connections are bad. So that's it's right. the gift that gives on giving. Uh, favorite city to frequent with travel? Uh, yeah, so I've been going to Orlando, to Florida for about 15 odd years, usually two or three times a year. And you know, Disney World's down there and it's great in the wintertime since we're flying from Chicago. So Orlando would be the top of the list for me. And lastly, biggest road pet peeve? Uh, long rental car lines, which maybe is a, a dig on Enterprise, but uh, I just, I don't like those. Gratefully, I've got that elite status thing, so I can usually annoy people and go to the front of the other line. You become that guy. <laughs> and that's yep, okay. I've seen you with a smile as you've passed the others. Yeah, loser. In a, yeah, in a humble, in a humble showboat kind of way. But uh, anyway, I think you just lost clients. Or maybe you've attracted to them because you've become a lot more human. So I'm human. Well, Nick, I, I just want to thank you for this journey. First and foremost, personally with me, we've worked through many of these things. These are just not words that are just kind of thrown out there. Um, you've walked this journey with me and to hope those that have listened to this have found, well, I, in a way, I kind of hope it made you feel a little bit of conviction mm-hmm. in a good way that uh, that downward spiral changes and you go from the downward spiral to that road less traveled, being willing to make some changes um, to maybe get that integrity back or that character or, or who you want and long to be with there. So thank you for investing into Road Warrior Nation and being an encouragement to us. Very welcome, Brian. My pleasure. Keep up the good work, my friend. If you have kids, you know they absolutely love mail, especially if it's from you. Now with my kids, the cards they enjoy the most were the ones that were designed for kids. And I found that when I took just a minute or two and wrote meaningful words breathing encouragement and truth into the life of my children, it made a huge difference. And as a result, Elite Roadwear Group created a Connect Cards product line to help you invest into the lives of those you love back home. Each card was made by a kid for a kid and Connect is at the heart of Elite Road Warrior and his energy habit number six. The cool part is the purchase of this card directly supports Warrior Wagons, a nonprofit organization who delivers Warrior Wagons filled with essentials to brave children and their families battling all forms of pediatric cancer. And there are five Connect card choices. Thinking of you, miss you, proud of you, love you, 
and grateful for you. Go to EliteRotor.com forward slash store today to pick up your very own Connect Cards. I'd like to thank Dr. Nick Howard, well, for handling this difficult subject of the dark side of travel with encouragement and challenges and insights for us to become elite road warriors in the areas that matter most within our integrity and our character. You can find the transcript and everything referenced in this episode in the show notes at EliteRoadWarrior.com forward slash 096, along with free resources for both the business traveler and leaders of business travelers. I'd love to hear from you. So you can connect with me on my primary social media sources, LinkedIn at Brian Paul Buckley, the LinkedIn Elite Roadware page, and on Instagram at Elite Roadware. So wherever you are on the road, do something, anything, just not nothing to master the business travel life. Leverage the insight from Dr. Nick Howard to help you become and remain an elite roadware today to eliminate burnout, exceed results, and maintain your character. You got this. Wow, there's some depth in this episode.